0: there's an old Bible story um, in Joshua 6. And um, yeah, I I was about to say, I think we have it on the screen. Um, And does anybody remember what happened in Joshua 6? Joshua fought the battle of what? Jericho, right. And what happened? What happened to the walls? Right. I heard somebody say they came tumbling down, right? They didn't just fall down. They came a tumbling down. That's right. And what's so funny is when God gave me this message, um, I was like, are you you sure? Because Frank just spent four weeks talking about how we need to rebuild the wall, and now I'm going to talk about it tumbling down. Um, So I was like, are you sure this is what I need to do? Um, But it's kind of, they're not mutually exclusive, right? We can talk about two different things. Um, But we're going to talk about Jericho. And I know that's a little bit kind of like, you know, for these old Bible stories, some of you have heard it, you know, for years and years when you were little and everything like that. Um, But if you know anything about me, you know that I love looking into these old Bible stories and kind of reading between the lines a little bit, trying to figure out what the Bible is actually trying to say rather than just the story. Because if you read just the story about the walls of Jericho and Joshua and everything like that, you get a pretty cool story, right? You get a pretty good narrative. But I don't think that's the only point. I think if you actually look and you read between the lines and you figure out what the Bible is actually trying to say, not just the story, you can find a lot more cool stuff that the Bible, that there's just little stuff in there that I think is so cool. Um, So we're going to dig into just a little bit about that today, and um, I keep looking up there because that's the word we're going to talk about today, and that is perseverance, right? I saw it, and I just kept drawing my attention to it, but we're going to talk about perseverance because I think that's what the whole story of Jericho is all about, is perseverance, persistence, right? Um, And I think that it's important for us to get kind of a context of what perseverance and persistence is. Um, So what I want to do is, before we get into Joshua, I want to read a New Testament verses from Hebrews. Uh, It is Hebrews 10 36, and I think we have that at some point. Yeah, cool. So it says, you need to persevere, and I I like that. Sometimes when you read the Bible, if you kind of read it with um, an open mind and don't read it just kind of, you know, um, like cut and dry, this kind of attitude to it, right? He says, you need to persevere. He said, let me tell you what you need. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And if you just read that just for face value, it seems kind of cut and dry, right? You need to persevere so that you will receive what he has promised. And you're like, cool, God promised us stuff. That's pretty cool, right? But if you just read that at face value, you kind of skip over what it actually is talking about. It says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, then you will receive what he has promised. See, God doesn't just promise us something and then he just gives it to us, right? You have to do what he wants you to do, and then you will get what he has promised you. And sometimes that takes some perseverance. Sometimes that takes some persistence. Sometimes that takes some chasing after, right? God just doesn't promise you a bunch of stuff, and then we automatically get it. He promises a lot of stuff in the bible right he promises us a lot of stuff like you know peace and patience kindness you know righteousness um but a lot of us don't possess that um and it's not something we just automatically receive it's something that we have to persevere towards um, and i think that this right this this verse is kind of the new testament context of the story of joshua um, in this verse, it's promising, like, inward stuff. Like, you know, we'll receive righteousness and all that kind of stuff. But in the Old Testament story of the walls of Jericho in Joshua, he's promising something more material. He's promising land, like Jericho. Um, but I think it's the same thing um, in persistence. Persistence is what brings you from promise to possession. Um, perseverance brings you from that Promise of what God promised you to actually possessing what He promised you. There's an in between there, and that word is perseverance. Um, To go from promise to actual possession of what He promised you, you have to work at it, right? Um, You have to work at it a little bit, and I think that's where I've kind of grown as a person is understanding that. Um, A couple years ago, and even I mean, even today, I still I still am fascinated by it, but. I used to be really intrigued by people who could just go out on a limb and start something, right? Um, I always used to love reading and watching documentaries and stuff about people like you know, Steve Jobs and you know, Bill Gates who like, dropped out of college to like, start cool stuff and now they are these huge successful people and all that kind of stuff. I used to love that. But it's great to start it and it's great to step out and like, start something But they didn't get to where they were because they started it. They got to where they were because they also had the fortitude to finish it, right? We wouldn't be talking about Steve Jobs if he just would have said, hey, I'm going to create this cool, you know, new computer, and then he made one, and then that was it. We wouldn't be talking about it. He had the fortitude and will to finish and persevere through all of the other stuff that happened to finish it. And I think now as I am growing older, I'm realizing that, hey, the ability to finish something is way more, I wouldn't say it's more important because you need both, but it's way more impressive to have the perseverance to go through a bunch of stuff to finish something. Finishing something is so important. And I think that in order for us to truly understand that, we have to realize that the Bible says, hey, it's going to be hard. You have to persevere through some stuff. And that's the whole thing that I want to pull out of Joshua in this Bible verse. I don't really necessarily want to talk about it from, you know, the narrative of the story, um, which we're going to talk about, but I don't really necessarily want to focus on that. I want to focus on the ability of Joshua and the people to persevere through it. Um, So let's go ahead and we're going to read Joshua 6. And um, I'm going to read, there's six, I think there's like 16 verses I'm going to read you. Um, It's just the basic story. um, But if you want to read along with me, it's going to be on the screen. But it says, verse 1, Now the gates of of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets." When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, "'Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it.' And he ordered the army, "'Advance, march around the city, with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord.'" When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched around the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. Shout, shout. Yeah. Oh, come, come on. That was, you think some walls are going to come down with that kind of shout? Shout. Hey, now we're talking. All right. So he had the Ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took up the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout! Hey, for the Lord has given you the city. Skip to verse 20. And it says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the man gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. All right, so that's a lot of of verses, that's a lot of stuff that I just threw out at you. Um, But I want to not just necessarily focus on the story, but focus on what the point of the story is. And the title of this message is um, Take a Lap. I I think you've seen it on there, Take Another Lap. And I know you don't really know what that means yet, um, and that's okay, I'll explain. Um, But I think it's important in this verse um, to understand what exactly is going on. And have you noticed that a lot of people in life, they tend to stop short, right? Um, We just kind of talked about it. A lot of people don't have that perseverance to finish something. Um, so a lot of people end up stopping short. A lot of people stop short of, you know, not just spirituality, not just spiritual things, but even, like, earthly things, right? Even just, like, like day-to-day tasks, we stop short. I stop short every day. Like, for example, I was telling um, Brittany yesterday, actually, I was like, you know... I've been meaning to do laundry for two days, and I just haven't gotten around to it. I got them all in a pile, and I was ready to put it in the washing machine, and then I stopped short. I said, you know what? Eh, I'll do it later. And then the next day comes, and I still haven't done it. The next day comes, I still haven't done it. So I stop short every day in my daily life, right? It doesn't have to be something big. It can be just every single day, just daily stuff. A lot of people tend to stop short. Um, and. I think that there's two reasons, two big reasons, that we can pull out of this story that kind of apply to our lives and why we stop short. Um, and I'm not just talking about that kind of small stuff, but I'm also talking about big things as well. Um, you know, stop short in life, whether you're stopping short of, you know, getting that job that you really want to get because you're scared or whether you're stopping short of your, you know, your finances aren't what they need to be and you just can't get over that hump. You know, there, there's... All kinds of ways that we can stop short in our life. Um, and I think we can pull out two big reasons from this as um, reasons why. And the reasons what God says, hey, that doesn't have to be that way. Um, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about, like, deeper stuff, right? Like, I don't want you to think that, hey, you know, I've, I've made it, right? Like, I have a job. I have a house. We're surviving. So I've made it. It's, it's not just that. It's about going deeper than that, Right. It's about getting something more out of life than that. It's about doing what God wants you to do. It's about being in the will of what God wants. It's that next step. And I think a lot of people end up starting stopping short from that. Um, so my goal for these next 15-20 minutes um, is to just is to to push somebody, right? Um, not like actually push you, but like push somebody towards finishing. Um, maybe you are one of those people who says, you know what, I'm right on the edge. I just can't seem to get over that last, that last little hump. You know, I've been trying a bunch of stuff and I just, I, I just can't do it. My goal for these next 15 minutes is to just push you, is just push you over that. Um, because sometimes it takes somebody else to realize, hey, I, I can do this. I can get over this. Um, and I think the first way that we see that and the first thing that, um, that God shows us is our perspective, right? I think that's the first thing we can pull out of this. Um, if they'll put uh, verse one and two back up on the screen, that would be awesome. Um, but I think sometimes our perspective gets blocked, right? Um, and what, what do I mean by that? Um, perspective is everything. I've learned that, especially teaching a sixth grade class. Perspective is absolutely everything. If you don't have the right perspective in life, it's gonna be a rough time for you, man. Like, for example, in my sixth grade class, right? I have like 33 kids in my sixth grade classes. And that's a lot. that's a lot of ADD. That's a lot of people bouncing off the walls. That's a lot of people not doing what they're supposed to do, right? And that's fine. They're, they're 11, however old they are, I get it. But if I go into that class having the wrong perspective, it's gonna be a real rough day for me. If I go into my class thinking, they're just, they're not gonna pay attention today. I can't get anything done. It's just, it's gonna be a bad time. Yeah, I'm gonna have a bad day because I've already got it in my head that I'm gonna have a bad day. If I go in there with the right perspective of saying, hey, you know what? I might have five or six kids who don't really get it and who don't wanna pay attention, but you know what? I got two kids on this side of the room who are on the edge of their seat, they're ready to go. That is why you teach. That is why, because you have the right perspective. And I think a lot of times in life, we go about our day with the wrong type of perspective and we're already setting ourselves up to fail from the very beginning because of the way we're thinking. Our perspective is blocked. We can't see over, you know, whatever the crap is that we have in our lives. We can't see past it. So yeah, of course, of course we're gonna have a bad time because we're looking at that and that is all we see. All we see is the stuff that's going on. We don't see how to get past it. Our perspective becomes blocked. Our perspective our perspective is something that needs to be changed. And see, here's what I didn't understand when I was younger and I was reading the story about the walls of Jericho. I thought Jericho was just this huge city, but it's not. Jericho is a very small city. Um, at the time, it would have taken about 45 minutes to walk around the whole city of Jericho. That's it. 45 minutes. That's a fairly small city to have a whole army of people walking around a city that's fairly small. It was intimidating because the walls were so high. It wasn't because it was so big. It's because the walls were so high. That's why it was intimidating. And I think what happens in our life is that sometimes the walls that we put up in our life from our crap is too big that we can't see over it. We can't see past those walls. Our perspective gets blocked by those huge walls. And that's exactly what's going on in this passage. If you look at it, God even talks about it. It says in verse 1, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in, or no one went out, and no one came in. And then verse 2 says, "Um, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with his king and fighting men. I thought... In verse 1, it said that the walls of Jericho and the gates were securely shut. I thought it said no one came out and no one came in. But then the Lord said, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. What? What, what Joshua couldn't see, he couldn't see past those walls. He couldn't see past those huge gates. And I think a lot of times our perspective is not only blocked, but it's backwards, Right? Go, Aaron, can you go back to verse 1 for me? Sorry, I know I'm all over the place. But it says, The, Jericho, the gates were securely barred because of the Israelites. Joshua, was, they were the Israelites. The walls were big and the gates were shut because of them. They were scared of them. Right? And I think a lot of times we don't see that. We have our perspective backwards. We think that the devil is, you know, tempting us because we're never going to be able to do what God wants, but maybe he's actually tempting us and hassling us because he knows that he's not going to be able to stop us from what God wants us to do. That's exactly what this is saying. This is saying, hey, the walls are barred because of you, man. It's not on our side. We're scared of you. That's what the devil is saying. That's why he's tempting us. We have it backwards. And that's why verse two is so important because it says the Lord said to Joshua, look, I have delivered it to you. It's in your hands. You just can't see it. You can't see it. That's why perspective is so important. If we don't understand that mentality, if we don't understand that mindset of what God wants, we're never going to see over the walls of the city it's just not going to happen. And that's why Pastor Frank hit, it, hit the nail on the head this morning when he said, I need this pick me up on Sunday mornings. Yes, you do. You know, worshiping is the easiest way to lift your perspective. I don't care what you're, the pastor is talking about. I don't care what the words that you're singing sound. You need to lift your perspective in coming to church and being around like-minded people. Do that. See, I had the wrong mentality when I first went to college. Um, I went to Covenant College, and that's a yeah, it's a private um, Christian religious school. And they used to force us to go to chapel and convocation like three times a week. Like three times a week we had to go to this. And I was so mad. I was like, you mean to tell me I got to wake up early three days a week to go sit through this chapel service? I was so mad. But what I didn't understand that if I would have went into it with the correct mentality that, hey, I don't care what the music is. I don't care what the speaker is talking about. I need that pick-me-up. I need that worship so that way we can get our perspective back in order. Because if you spend too long away from God, away from church, away from people who have the right perspective— You're going to get bogged down in something you don't need to be a part of. You're going to be trapped behind those walls and it takes a lot to get out from that point. So you should thank God that every time that you get to come to church on Sunday mornings and sing and hear, it doesn't matter even if it's something you don't like. It lifts your perspective. And that's why you should never, you should never be afraid to worship. Like it doesn't matter what you sound like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Singing. Praising, lifting your hands, man. That is the way you change your perspective. That is it. And that is the way that you can see beyond the walls of the city. That's what Joshua didn't get. That's what the Lord had to remind him, saying, Look, dude, you got it all backwards, man. You think that you're scared of them, they're scared of you. That's why the walls and the gates are so big, because they know that there's nothing they can do to stop you. We're not the same way, guys. We're the same way. The devil is tempting you and he's harassing you because he knows that he's not going to be able to stop you. You got to have the right perspective, guys. You have to. That's the biggest reason why I think people stop short is because they can't see it. They can't see the end result. They get bogged down and all they see is what's in front of them. So they say, you know what? Fine, I'll settle. Guys, life is too short to settle, right? Life is way too short for you to settle, we only have so much time on this earth, you do not need to settle. God's given you so much more than that. You just, you just got to see it. You got to look over. You got to see it. You have to. Is this helping somebody? Because there may be somebody in here who, that's where you're at, right? That's where you're at. You're saying, I can't see past my finances. I can't see past, you know, whatever I got going on. I need that. I need that. And that's why you got to come, guys. That's why you got to read the Bible. That's why you got to pray. That's why you got to worship. You got to see it. You got to see it. All right. It's getting a little hot in here. Sorry. All right. So let's move on. The second reason that was just the first one. You're in for a treat for the next one. All right. All right. So the second reason that I believe why people stop short is because our progress isn't. Always obvious, right? Our progress isn't always obvious. See, when I like to study these old Bible stories, I like to think about it a couple different ways. Um, because if you just read it at face value, a lot of times you already know the story, so your brain just go ahead and fills in the blanks um, with what happened, and you don't get to actually see what the story says um, because you already know it. It's just kind of like on autopilot, right? Well, as I was digging in, I wanted to understand really the the point of the miracle that God gave these people, right? And as I was reading it, I was like, huh, God, that's an interesting way to do that. That's not the way I would have done it. See, God had these Israelites walking around the walls six times, and on the seventh time, they fell. It's like, all right. But see, that's not the way I would have done it. Here's how I would have done it. You guys remember the, uh, the old game, I'm sure, you know, people under 12 probably won't, but every, actually maybe people under 20 might not. Uh, the game Tetris, remember the game Tetris? Yeah, where like you like turn the blocks and whatever and they came down. And then once you completed a row, part of it disappeared, right? The bottom row disappeared. If I was setting up this miracle, here's what I would have done. I would have said, all right, they would have marched, you know, one time around the city. And then after they marched one time, ta ta. The wall went down just a little bit, right? The wall went down just a little bit and they'd march around again the next day. They'd get there and go down a little more, right? You could see progress. You could see something happening. You could see the walls disappearing, right? See, I'm one of those people who is highly, highly, highly motivated by progress right? I don't mind working hard at something if I at least see that it's working. If I at least see that something's going on, right? And look, look, I hate hate treadmills, all right? Because man, if you're running and you're getting it, you're not going anywhere. You just see the wall in front of you or the person's butt in front of you if you're at a gym, right? That's all you see. That's it. I'm not motivated. I'm not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, I'll just be totally honest. I hate to work out. As a matter of fact, I hate you if you like to work out because you make me feel self-conscious, right? I'll just throw that out there. It it, it frustrates me, right? Like CrossFit, CrossFit, Krispy Kreme is what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? CrossFit, whatever. Um, But it's because there's no progress involved. You don't see it right away. Man, I'll tell you what. If when I worked out, if I saw progress... I'd work out every day. Like if I'm down here, right, and I'm planking, if my abs were just like pop, 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 pop. Every time I was planking, man, I'd work out all day. What you talking about? But the problem is I plank for like two minutes and nothing happens. And I'm like, that was pointless. I just don't see it. I got to see some progress. That's why if I was setting up this miracle that God gave, I wouldn't have done it that way. But see, that's not how God works. God doesn't work like that. And he didn't work like that in this story. And he doesn't work like that in your life. He doesn't. And that's what's so frustrating to me is when I walk around the walls of my life and then nothing happened. And you're like, why did I do that? Why? What was the point? I don't see anything. I don't see progress. I don't see my actions making a difference. And I think, that, I think that a lot of times when we don't see that progress, that's when we stop because we say, what's the point? But what's frustrating about it is God keeps saying, hey, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. But all you're doing is saying, God, you say that, but I see something totally different, right? And I'm sure that's a lot of you. You hear God saying, I'm, I'm almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. But you don't see any progress. You don't see anything happening. Your perspective is blocked. You can't see the progress that's being made. And the biggest example in my life has been um, college. Just these past, you know, 12 years I was in college. I'm, I'm just kidding. It was only seven. It was only seven. It's not that bad. Um, but God kept telling me, hey, have a plan. Hey, I have a plan. Hey, you're going to do this. You're going to graduate. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And at every single turn, I, I didn't, you know, like I didn't have the money for school or, you know, my graduation was postponed a semester or I needed this class, but they didn't offer this class at this time, but I had to have it to graduate. So I had to take summer classes, right? Like stuff just happened. And I honestly thought I was going backwards, but God kept telling me, Hey man, you're in my will. You're in my will you're in my plan, just keep moving, just keep moving. And I was like, but I don't see it. And I think a lot of times if you give up, it was, it was you can ask Brittany or my mom or anybody close to me, I had serious conversations about saying, hey, can I just quit? Can I just quit college? Like I'm, I'm that close to quitting because I was just so fed up with it. And then eventually my mom was like, well, you know, you've already gone six years and we've already paid this much, uh, you're gonna get a degree. I said, okay, yes, ma'am, sorry, you're right, you're right. Um, But now that I'm done, now that I'm out, now that I have this awesome, you know, job that I really like to do and everything like that, I can see it, and I can see how God was working. All those times that he postponed me from graduating, all those times he put roadblocks, he used those to get me to where I am today. So let me tell you guys, and I know this from personal experience, and I'm sure you do too, that those times when you don't feel like anything is happening, Those times where you don't feel like stuff is moving, those are the times where God is working in you the most. Those are the best times that God has planned for you. In those times where you're like, I just can't do it, that's when God is doing the most in your life. And as frustrating as that is, um, that's just the way God works. And he does it that way, so that way you trust him. So that way you say, God, I'm sorry for doubting you. I'm sorry, right? And I think that's the big another. What this passage is trying to tell us is that sometimes it takes a little perseverance to get you to where you need to be. See, in the in the Bible, um, in the Bible, the the number six, the number six always represents the number of man, right? Um, like six, six, six. That's the, the the man's number, the devil's number, right? But seven. It's God's number. Seven is perfect. Seven is the number of completion, of perfection. So sometimes, God wants you to take six laps around your problem, just so on the seventh one, when the walls finally fall down, you'll know that it was nothing you did, but it was everything that God did. Sometimes he takes you around six times to understand, hey, I'm hopeless without you. I am hopeless without you. So just on that seventh time, when it finally falls, you did nothing different, but God takes over. And God says, you know what? Well done, my good and faithful servant, right? You've done what I've asked you to do. Completion, the number seven, completion. See, God's not always efficient, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it say God is efficient. It doesn't say it. If he wanted the walls to come down, he, they just, he just could have made them come down, right? Think about that. Think about that for a minute. If God wanted the walls to come down, all they had to do was march around at one time. Or they didn't even have to do that. God could have just said, boom, and the walls would have fell down. He didn't do that. He wanted to teach us a lesson. And that's why if you dig into this passage, it's so important. Sometimes you have to take six laps around your problem. Sometimes you have to make no progress. Six times for you to understand, hey, when it finally does fall, that was all God. That was not me. God's not always efficient, but it doesn't mean he's not working. It doesn't mean he's not working. Um, And as I get into my last point, I'll go ahead and ask the band to come back up. Um, But, and here's what I think is, here's what I think is the coolest part of this whole story, right? This is the absolute coolest part. And if you've heard me speak before, and you know how I dig into these Bible stories, I like to look in between the lines. I think these Bible stories, they can tell us more by what they don't say, right? Yeah, we we see the words in there, but what does the Bible story not say that's important? And here's what I get out of this. If you read it, I'm not going to go back and read it to you because that's too many verses, but look at this passage when you leave. Really dig into it and you'll see. Nowhere in this story does the Bible say, that Joshua told his people what was going on. Nowhere in this story did Joshua tell these people, hey, on the seventh time, these walls are going to fall. See, growing up, when I first heard this story, I was like, oh, everybody knew. They just had to go around one more time. People were just like, if we can just make it one more time, if we can just make it one more lap, the walls will come down. They didn't know, guys. They didn't know. Joshua never told the people. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine being one of these warriors? They walked around. They said, all right. They took a lap. Nothing happened. They probably thought Joshua was the worst military leader in the history of the world. Right? Can you imagine these soldiers going homes to their families, being ready to fight? And then Joshua telling them, all right, take a lap. And then they're like, all right, we're warmed up. We took a lap. We're ready. Who are we going to fight? And then Joshua says, go home. See you back here. Same time, same place tomorrow. The warriors get home. Their wife goes, all right, so tell me, who, like, how many people did you kill? What did you take? You know, like, like how was it? And they were like, uh, we, um, mm, we just uh, walked around for a minute. Um, but it's okay. We're just scouting out the land. Joshua just wants us to make sure we know the terrain we're working in, right? Like, it's fine, it's fine. So then they go back the second day. Take another lap. They're like, all right, Joshua, we scouted out the land, got our warm-up lap in, we're ready. Joshua says, all right, same time, same place tomorrow. They go home again. Their wife's like, all right, I'm ready. He's like, um, look, I don't know what to tell you, right? Can you imagine what these warriors were thinking? Six days, they walked around this city. They walked around the city. They said, what is going on? Can you imagine? Just imagine with me for a minute. Can you imagine if on the sixth time they stopped? If on the sixth lap, on the sixth day, they said, Joshua, you don't know what you're doing. We've had enough, see ya. They would have missed the miracle that God had for them. They would have missed it, but they didn't. They took one more lap around. They took one more lap and they saw what God had planned for them the whole time. But if you don't take that last lap, if you don't take another lap around those six times, you're gonna miss out on what God has for you. You're gonna miss out on the joys and the miracles and the stuff that God wants to do in your life. Don't get bogged down by no progress. God's working, I promise. You just gotta keep walking. You gotta keep moving. You gotta take another lap. You can't stop. These warriors, they trusted Joshua and they trusted what the Lord had said that they were gonna take the city of Jericho, even though everything that they saw, everything they were doing said otherwise. But they stayed focused. They stayed vigilant, and they trusted what God had said. Guys, you have to understand, we have to trust what God says. We can't just keep walking around with our perspective blocked. We can't just keep walking around not knowing where we're going. We can't just keep walking around saying, God, I'm just going to quit because I don't see you moving. I don't see you working. I just want to stop. you got to keep moving. You have to keep moving. And the whole reason I'm here today, if you don't get anything from what I've said, please, please, please hear this. You are too close to quit now. Whatever is going on in your life, you are way too close to quit now. God has something just over the walls of the city. You just need to change your perspective to see it. You need to understand God has a plan and I am so close. I just can't see it. I want you to change your perspective today. I want you to understand, look, it's not about me. I know I've done the same thing for three years. I know I've worked at the same dead end job for 20 years and I know I'm this close to a promotion or I know that my finances are this far, like this far from being fixed, but I just don't see any progress. You're gonna make it, it's okay, you will. Just don't give up, just don't stop. God has too much plan for you for you to stop now. Don't settle, life is too short. God has way too big of plans for you. It says in Jeremiah that, you know, God has plans for you, a plan to prosper you. If you're not prospering, then you're settling. Don't quit now. Don't give up. I promise. Right on the other side of that city, right on the other side of those walls is a miracle that's waiting just for you. Take another lap. Take another lap. Don't stop on six.